Let us return to that text we read earlier from Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And this evening we're going to be looking at those verses from verse 31 to verse 39. Verse 31 to verse 39 of Romans chapter 8 beginning with verse 31 which reads... What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? And our title for this evening's message, as we prepare our hearts for tomorrow, the Lord's table and the Lord's day, is what is keeping you from Christ? What is keeping you? From Christ, or perhaps we could even phrase it another way. What is keeping you, and I'm speaking to believers, from coming to the Lord's table tomorrow? In our communion season, so far we've looked at the theme of repentance. On Thursday, we examined and saw we are sinners, we need to turn from our sin. And our flesh. We have examined ourselves. With the marks of grace. What does a true believer look like? A true believer will have fruit. We will not be perfect of course. But a good tree produces good fruit. Now as we've looked at these themes so far. During this communion season. What can happen when we focus so much in ourselves? When we look within ourselves and examine ourselves, do we find something good? Do we find something in ourselves to boast about? If we truly examine ourselves according to the light of the truth? Not at all. Actually, when we look within ourselves, we find only reasons to despair. So it is important this evening as we prepare our hearts for tomorrow. We also remember what the believer. The true believer in Jesus Christ has in Jesus Christ. If you're a true Christian. You will look within yourself and see only reasons to despair. But now as we come approaching closer to the Lord's table. Let us think of reasons to rejoice. To be glad. We despair because of our sin, because it has offended a God we love and now care about. A God we wish to serve and to do what is right before Him. We have sinned against Him. But friends, we must not remain at looking at ourselves. Because if we only remain looking at ourselves, how many of us would come to the Lord's table tomorrow? Probably none of us. In ourselves, none of us are worthy. But it's only in and through Jesus Christ that any of us can come at all. The message is this. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ alone, come to the table by faith in that same Jesus who is your hope. We must not merely look at our own sin. We must look to Jesus Because we want every single believer, no matter how weak your faith may be, 
It may be the size of a mustard seed. The smallest amount of faith. Come to the table for strength and sustenance tomorrow. But also at the same time as we've looked throughout this communion season. We want the unbeliever to not come and to eat and drink damnation unto his or her own soul. So I speak to the believer. No matter how weak your faith may be. No matter how many struggles you may have. Are you looking to Jesus Christ alone? Come. You may have doubts. You may have ups and downs in your Christian walk. You may have struggles with your assurance. You wonder. Am I truly a believer? Many believers go through such things. But no matter how many frailties you may have in that faith of yours. You continue. Because God has done a work in your heart. You now love Jesus. You keep going. You continue. We come to the feet of Jesus for help. You especially need the help offered by Christ at the Lord's Supper. He has given you so much, dear believer, to be nourished and blessed. So as we look at this text, verse 31 to verse 39, ask yourself, dear believer in Christ, if you are tomorrow thinking, I'm not good enough to come. Yes, I I trust in Jesus alone, but you don't know the struggle I'm having. I'm not good enough. I have sinned. How can I come before him? Friend, what keeps you from Christ? And this is what we're going to be looking at this evening as we look at this text. What keeps you from enjoying more of him? If you are a believer, you must come. You must come. Come by faith to him who blesses and feeds. So number one. What keeps us away? We're going to look at three points from this text. What commonly keeps people away from the Lord's table? Again, I'm speaking about true believers in Jesus Christ. And the first one, number one, is our sin. Our sin. There is a real danger that we do not see. That we do not perceive what we have in Christ. And so... We can start to act at certain points in our Christian walk. Act and feel like we're still outside of Christ. We can go around acting and feeling as if we're still condemned people. And it's a tragedy. Look at verse 31. Paul writes under the inspiration of the spirit of almighty God. Verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? And he's dealt with very deep and profound issues. Predestination. And how those who are predestined are called. And those whom are called he shall also justify. It's all a work of God. In verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us. Who can be against us? We must think about this, friends. If God is for you, the believer, who is against you? Who is happy if the true believer stays away from the Lord's table, believing he or she has not attained to a high enough level 
to come to the Lord's Supper. I remember hearing years ago um, invitations to come to the Lord's table after I got saved. And I wondered, there's sin I'm struggling with. Should I come? It can be very easy to wonder if you have to reach to a certain level of sinlessness almost before you come to the table of the Lord. But who is happy when you stay away from the table? Believing you haven't quite reached that level. God is for us. We are no longer on the losing side. And we're no longer on the losing side of a war that has taken place for 6,000 years. A very difficult and long war between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Spoken about in Genesis 3 verse 15. A war which began in Eden. God is for the believer. Why? Does this matter? Why should this give us greater confidence as we come to the Lord's table? What our sin has been dealt with. Our sin has been dealt with. You are no, your sin is no longer an issue. Barring you from the presence of Christ. If you have been forgiven. Our God is gracious. Now, as I say this, your sin is no longer an issue. I don't want to say this, that you can live and sin as you please. That sin is something that should not grieve you. It should. Sin grieves us all and it should. It should grieve the true believer when we fall into sin. But when you come to the table of the Lord, you come to Christ, you come to feed on him by faith. He is your food and your drink by faith. And our sin is no longer something that is a barrier in Christ. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It has been paid in full. Verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him Also give us all things. God did not spare his own son. His own son. His only begotten son. Who is full of grace and truth. Even his son he did not spare. But delivered him up. For us all. If he has dealt with your sin. Dear believer. Why would you stay away? Why would you not come? Our sin has been dealt with. And it's been dealt with. For you. What love he has demonstrated in this. The devil. Does not want you. The the devil does not want the true believer. To come to the table of the Lord. Tomorrow. But the devil also wants the casual unbeliever who's not thinking about these things to come and to eat and drink damnation unto his soul. If you're a believer, it is not humility to stay away. It is not humility to stay away. It is actually disobedience to reject this blessing. You see, friends, you're robbing yourself of the blessing of more of Christ. 
I know for centuries, we, in the church for centuries, they turned it into something superstitious. Uh, the doctrine of transubstantiation within the Roman Catholic Church. And we're afraid so much of making so much of the Lord's Supper. But I think in modern times we have so undervalued how Christ is truly spiritually present to bless all of his people. In a special way that we really fail to comprehend. But he is truly there at the table of the Lord. The devil doesn't want you to gain of this blessing. To have this encouragement. To have this food and this drink. Yes, you get Christ in the sermon. Yes, you get Christ in your private devotions. Yes, you come to Christ by faith and by faith alone. But you get Christ in a very special way at the table of the Lord. It's not just something to remember Him. Yes, we remember His death, but it's more than that. It is a means of grace, it is a sustenance, it is a help. We commune with Christ. And with Christ, we therefore commune more with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The triune God. What would keep you back from such a wonderful blessing? We almost think of, and I say this reverently, what could God more have done? What could God more have given you to say, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what, what barrier, what is keeping you away from the Lord's table? What is keeping you back The demonstration of his love. What more could be given? He gave the life of his only son. His only begotten son. Just by way of. To try and illustrate this. And we struggle with human language. But in recent years. There have been wars. And we see wars in places like Iraq. Afghanistan and other places. And I was watching a a documentary. And you can see that there's a struggle. With family members. If they don't completely understand why a conflict is taking place. And if they see their dear loved ones going out and fighting in a conflict. They don't completely understand. And they wonder should it be taking place. They struggle with that. They wonder was it worth it. Now this is not a commentary on certain conflicts. But if we completely understand why the conflict is taking place. If we can completely see that this was completely worth it. Then we gladly, gladly would give our children, would give our own lives for such a thing. Something we truly believe in. Something we truly see as necessary. You don't see that with World War II, do you? It's very clear and we're very proud and and rightly so of those men who died we don't wonder about that conflict. So many. And if anyone is still around. Who is a, is a veteran. We almost want to thank them. For their sacrifice. And what they went through. During. That time of liberating Europe. From Nazi occupation. Their sacrifice was worth it. Parents. Gladly. Saying Go. And if necessary, die. But God goes further than that for all. You see, that's a conflict we can, uh, we can, we say, that is a good cause. But the only begotten son was given 
for us. Now think about that. How amazing that is. Are we good people? Are we good people? Are we people who deserve to be rescued? No. Criminals. Lawbreakers. Could you imagine if someone went in and paid all the, the penalties for someone in a security, a high security prison. Some of the worst criminals, some of the worst offenders. We are lawbreakers. And Christ loved us so much. God sent his only begotten son to die and to suffer. That is the demonstration of his love. That is the wonder of what Christ has done to come and suffer and die. He didn't come and suffer and die for good people. Let us look at Romans 5. Romans 5 verses 6, 7 and 8. Romans 5 verses 6, 7 and 8. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure. For a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see that? Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it, but he set his love upon you, dear believer. He redeemed you, he took pity upon you. He shows mercy upon whom he will show mercy. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Jeremiah came to that realization in the, book, in the middle of the book of Lamentations. And Lamentations is filled with woe and lament and weeping. But in the middle of that, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. He realizes no matter how bad it was when Jerusalem was destroyed and that book was written. And the devastation that Jeremiah went through. We deserve far, far more. It is of the Lord's mercies. He has dealt with our sin. He has done it. It's not us. It's not our effort. It's not our efforts to make ourselves clean. It is God's perfect work. What keeps you back from the table of the Lord, dear friend? Verse 33 of our text. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who? Who will lay charge? Who will bring charges and accusations to the throne of grace if your sin has been forgiven? It is God that justifieth. God is the one who justifieth. He is the one who will declare you righteous before the throne of grace in Christ Jesus. We have to ask ourselves, Jesus says it is finished, paid in full. It has been the sin, your sin has been dealt with. And then we say, well, if you trust in Jesus, do you disagree with him? Was it enough? 
The Bible tells us there is one who is the accuser of the brethren. Revelation 12 verse 10. Revelation 12 and verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven. Now has come salvation and strength. And the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren. Is cast down. Which accused them before our God. Day and night. Who will lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who is the one who doesn't want you to see that you have been forgiven in Jesus Christ? It was one thing that I struggled with for about a year or two after I was saved. And there were times when my old sins would be brought back to memory and I would feel horrible again. That was the devil. Once, you're, once they have been forgiven. Once you have gone to the throne of grace. And asked for Christ to forgive you. He will. But the devil does not want you. To partake of that victory in Jesus. We see the way the devil behaved in Job. Job chapter 1 verses 9 and 11. Job chapter 1, verses 9, 10, and 11. And this is Satan now speaking. The Lord says, hast thou considered my servant Job? And it says in verse 9, chapter 1, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job... Fear God for naught. Hast not thou made a hedge about him? Do you see the accusations of the devil? Have you not made a hedge about him? And about his house? And about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hand. And his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath. And he will curse thee to thy face. Take away all these blessings. And Job Will curse you. It's the accusations of the enemy. Who are we going to listen to? Who are we going to listen to this evening? Verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea rather. That is risen again. It is even at the right hand of God. Who maketh intercession for us. So. The prayers of Jesus. The intercession of Jesus. Is the reason we can approach the Lord's table tomorrow. Not because we are good enough in ourselves. We are not. It's only because of Jesus. Our sin has been dealt with. So we pray dear friends that our sin does not. If it's been dealt with in Christ. Is not a reason to keep us. From the Lord's table. Number two now. Our second point of three that we're going to be looking at is our suffering. Our suffering. So we've looked at our sin and our suffering. Sometimes it's not so much that we look at our sin and think I'm not good enough. Sometimes it's our circumstances. Sometimes it's the difficulties and the challenges in our life that make us think. Does God 
truly, God's really there for me. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Look what Paul writes under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. There's a a thing I read about years ago. A thing that happens when people are at the gym. I don't know if anybody goes to the gym. But you go on a treadmill. And when you're staring at the numbers. You're usually thinking about how many more minutes do I have to go. And you're thinking about the pain. And how much longer you have to go on that journey. Well, I heard of a thing where if you put the gym towel over the numbers. You usually go a lot further than you will ordinarily. You're not paying attention to the pain of every single step. Oh, I've got to go another 10 minutes on this treadmill. You take off the towel and you've actually been going a lot longer than you realize. It's a lot like our walk toward our heavenly home, isn't it? Often we can focus on the pain and the suffering and the difficulties of this present life. Often we can focus, as Paul says here, on tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Pain and suffering are not pleasant. Whatever those, that pain is, it could be health. It could be missing people who have passed away. All sorts of things. The more we move, the more we feel that pain. We, feel, we can feel discouraged from keeping on going. You can see sometimes in sports, some people get a very bad injury. And they'll be out for six months or a year. And it's very hard to get back and that motivation to get back to recover to being where they once were. In our walk with Christ, we have left behind spiritual Egypt. And we're walking through that wilderness on our way to spiritual Canaan. And that is a difficult journey through that wilderness. It is challenging. And we will suffer in that wilderness as we travel toward, as we look forward to to fruit in Canaan, heavenly Canaan. And at times we're going to go and wonder, is it all worth it? When we're going through pain and suffering, when we're going through the things that Paul writes about here, tribulation or distress, when you're suffering at work, when you're suffering in your family, when when you've poured so much into your life into certain things and it, it seems to fail and fall apart around you, you wonder, am I separated from the love of God? And we can forget To the devil's glee. Why we're doing what we do. Or how we will even get to our final destination. We're going to get to our final destination dear friends. Our heavenly Jerusalem. Not because you're smarter than anyone else. Not because you're stronger than anyone else. Not because you're tougher than anyone else. But because of Jesus. And that journey is difficult. Last night we were looking at how Jesus we Jesus is not just the gate which we enter. Jesus is the way we walk. And it's by Jesus we also produce good fruit. 
And it's by Jesus we enter into heaven alone. By Jesus and him alone. He is the beginning, middle and end of salvation. And while we may realize that in our minds. We realize we must enter by Christ. And perhaps we still remember, yes, when we die we're going to go to heaven. But what about that middle bit? That middle bit we're in right now. That wilderness journey we're traveling along. When there is peril. And we don't know when the end line is, or tribulation, or famine, or nakedness. We don't know how much more there is. And we wonder, can we endure? Where is the help? It is with Jesus. And it is offered at the Lord's table for the true believer in Jesus Christ. He is the beginning of salvation. And at that difficult middle point, regardless of what you're going through, Jesus is food and drink For your soul. And you need that that food and drink. Because there are thorns and thistles of this life. That hurt and injure. And it's not easy. And these things can be discouraging. But they cannot separate you from the love of God. Because we do think that these things. For moments of time. Can separate us from the love of Christ. Verse 35. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 36. For as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. We may not face the persecution you see in places like North Korea. Or China. Or Saudi Arabia or other countries. Where they are intolerant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you will face mockery for the sake of Christ. You will face a degree of persecution. We often don't think about this in the West. There is a degree of people will often pull away from your company. There are different ways you will suffer. And you will suffer. But, verse 37, Paul writes, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Now, at that that time, do we feel like conquerors? Do we feel victorious when perhaps a good friend that we've had to say goodbye to for the sake of following Christ is no longer in our lives? No. At times, we do not, doesn't feel like we're conquerors, but we have to remind ourselves in Jesus Christ that we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We spoke about earlier that love that He demonstrates On the cross. That he's demonstrated on the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ. You can. And you will endure in Christ. And you may feel like you can't at times. But only in Christ. You need food for your journey. You're traveling a long way. You're going to faint. If you don't eat. If you don't drink. The wilderness does not have much. Water. And it's difficult to find food or drink. But friends, there are tokens of his love being set before us tomorrow. Special tokens of signs and seals of his body and his blood. The bread and the cup. Encouraging and uplifting. The bread gives strength. And the wine, what does it do to our hearts? It gladdens our hearts. It satisfies. 
quenches our thirst. And that is what Christ does for the weary soul. Oh, maybe taste and see all true believers tomorrow that God is good and who trusts in him is blessed. See, friends, the table is truly for the believer. Not not for the super Christian. For all Christians. Our final point is our Savior. Our Savior. This might seem like a strange point after the last two points, but... Our sins may keep us away. Our suffering may keep us away. But what do I mean by this? Our Savior. We may have a very low view of our Savior. We may be saved. We may have trusted in Jesus. But we may think that our sin and our suffering are somehow more powerful than Christ. We would never say such a thing. But we can undervalue Christ. We can think that the circumstances in our life are more powerful than Jesus himself. And that's a serious thing. We come to the table tomorrow by faith in Jesus Christ. Not because we're great. But because he is. Because he is. Remind ourselves of verse 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more, more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. And we need constant reminding. Because what do we think of conquerors throughout history? We think of the Alexander the Greats. We think of people who have created great empires. Through might and power. And what do the Beatitudes tell us? Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. It seems so contrary. To what the world thinks of as conquering. Blessed are the meek. Those who are in Christ. For all the problems we face. We have a more powerful. Savior. No matter how difficult. Your life may be. We need more of Christ. Not less of Christ. It's it's amazing isn't it. When we fall into sin. Sometimes what will suffer. Is our prayer life. Why? Because we often think, I'm not good enough. I have done that specific thing. I said I wouldn't do it. And I've fallen into it again. And uh, we, we almost feel ashamed to go to God again. But you need Him more at that moment than you did before. You need His forgiveness. You need more of Christ. You need more of His wisdom. Because in Him and through His help, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. His way is the way to victory. And the world. We need constant reminders of this. Because the world mocks this way to victory. The world thinks that this way to victory. Is a way to failure. In Matthew chapter 27. Verse 41. Matthew chapter 27. And verse verse 41. Matthew 27 and verse number 41 down to verse 44. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the son, if he be the king of Israel, 
Let him now come down from the cross. And we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him. For he said I am the son of God. The thieves also. Which were crucified with him. Cast the same. In his teeth. The world mocks. The cross. The world looks at the cross. And sees nothing but failure. Defeat. Weakness. But it is victory. Our Savior, we must not undervalue what He did, what it was worth. It was of infinite value. Because it was against a God who is of infinite value, that is our sin. Christ is of infinite value. See, what looks like defeat and failure to the world is truly victory in Jesus Christ is powerful. It is glorious. See if we don't see this friends. When we have difficulties and trials. We're going to look for the solution. In all the wrong places. We're going to look to it. Using man's means. Man's methods. And man's devices. To revive the church. What should we do? Should we go with the latest Trends. Should we go with the latest marketing techniques? Should we go with the latest cool new idea? Or do we go with what God says? See, when we undervalue Christ, it impacts our lives. It impacts the church's life and others. Verse 38. Paul writes this. For I am persuaded. That neither death. Nor life. Nor angels. Nor principalities. Nor powers. Nor things present. Nor things to come. Nor height. Nor depth. Nor any other creature. Shall be able to separate us. From the love of God. Which is in Christ Jesus. Our Lord. What can keep you from him? In his power. In his glory. What can keep you from his love? What is keeping you from the table of the Lord tomorrow? If we have been saved. If we have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. If his righteousness clothes us. And clothes our nakedness. Clothes us so we can stand before God. Declared righteous. What keeps you back dear believer? Death, it says, cannot separate you. I am persuaded that neither death. Death is a great enemy. Life, the circumstances and powers and trials of life. What about angels? Can they get between you and the love of Christ? Not at all. Paul is fully persuaded that none of these things he has listed can get between the true believer And the love of Christ. The love of Christ. And when I talk about the love of Christ. As we come before the Lord's table tomorrow. I don't mean the love. The general love. Yes God has for all people upon this earth. He sends rain and sunshine. He sends food. Clothing. 
I'm talking about God's well-pleasing, delighting love. Where he delights in and through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the love I speak of. Do you know this, friends? God does not just put up with you for the sake of Christ. But in Christ, he delights in the believer. Because of Christ, not because of you. But if we're outside of Christ, we don't have this well-pleasing love. The wrath of God abides upon the unbeliever. John 3, verse 36. As we come to a close here this evening, I speak to the believer. I speak to you here this evening who have repented of your sins. No matter how weak your faith may be, no matter how poor you think your walk may be until this point, you have repented. You have trusted in Jesus Christ. With the eye of faith, you've looked to him. Yes, you are imperfect. Yes, you have sinned. But it's because of Christ that you can come tomorrow in a worthy manner. Do not think for a second that your sin, your circumstances, your suffering, or anything else can separate you from the love of Christ. Come to a powerful, loving, gentle Christ who who loves We love him imperfectly, but he loves perfectly, unchangeably. And he has purchased victory in his son, Jesus Christ. He offers to all believers tomorrow his body and his blood. He offers himself before the believer, his life for food and nourishment. To all who will come by faith and by faith alone.